Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. Dr. Williams is the author of the acclaimed book, Shattered by the Darkness, Putting the Pieces Back Together After Child Abuse. Dr. Williams is on the senior leadership team at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. And Dr. Williams travels the United States speaking and training professionals, parents, and victims about the importance of dealing with abuse and personal trauma head-on and not being afraid to break the silence of your own personal pain. Feel free to call in to tonight's show at 888-627-6008 and speak with Dr. Williams and his guests live on air. And now, your host, Dr. Williams. Good evening and welcome to Breaking the Silence and welcome to the most beautiful city in the world, Houston, Texas. You're sitting right now with me in my living room, uh, looking out uh, the back windows over the Texas Medical Center, which is one of the most, I believe, well, it's the largest employer of the entire state of Texas and uh, just a wonderful medical center. The uh, Mayo Clinic is right across the street. Uh, one of the best cancer centers in the world, Texas Children's Hospital, Baylor College of Medicine, one of the best educational medical schools in the world. It's just an honor to be just a block away from the office, and I get to go in there and work every single day. But most of all, it is a blessing to be able to be with you tonight, wherever you're at, in your car, at home, or if you're at work listening on your phone, or just watching us on the computer, listening to us on the radio, we just want to welcome you to the program and uh, tonight's guest is going to be somebody that not only shares uh, a wonderful story of how Christ can do wonderful things in their life, but how he can take sometimes damaged goods and create hope through those stories, through those experiences, and through that life, and be able to impact other people in such a positive and wonderful, transformative way. And transformation is what it is all about, redemption and transformation. So we're going to hear about that here just shortly. If you want to get uh, involved in the program tonight, you can get, let's see, I'm looking over here, Shattered by the Darkest Facebook page. Looks like we're live. My son, Curtis, up in Seattle, Washington. And hey, my son just got uh, promoted in the United States Army. He is a first sergeant now. And uh, I just saw that picture of him and his wife and and, uh, my little granddaughter. And so congratulations to Curtis, my son. Thank you. And I'm so proud of you and uh, keep up the great work. Uh, I hope I got the promotion that he's got right, but I believe he's first sergeant now. So in the United States Army. So I'm proud of him. Uh, anyway, he is running the Shattered by the Darkness Facebook page. And if you have a comment or a question, you can go right on there right now and post that. Or you can call to the BBS radio station and TJ will be answering the phone at 888 Zero zero eight, and TJ with his wonderful radio voice will answer that phone and patch you right through to our guest and me, and you'll get to talk live with us. And I don't think we censor anybody; we don't screen anybody. Uh, if you start getting uh, <laughs> the wrong language, we may uh, silence you for a while until you calm back down. But we don't get that many calls, so we would love to have you call in, especially if you have a question or a comment. 
or concern about what the topic's going to be tonight. And I'll tell you what, um, been one of those weeks, <clears throat> a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stress going on in life. Work seems to be, you know, the desk starts getting more buried and more buried. So I've, I've or tried to order a bigger desk so I can have more room for more of my papers, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but it just seems like things never uh, slow down. It just continues to go over and you know, here we are getting ready to start another week. And I can't believe we're at the end of September of 2023 already. Um, I was clearing out my car the other day and found Christmas wrapping paper in the back. And I'm thinking, well, I might as well just leave it in there because we're getting ready for Christmas again. <laughs> it won't be long, but it just seems like time just flies by. And um, I want to know how you're doing. Do you ever take time to just sit back and gauge yourself of, you know, the world, the fancy people that know more things than me? They'll call it, hey, do you ever do self-care? It's like, well, yeah, I brush my teeth and I wash my face and take a shower once a week, whether needed or not, and those kind of things. But what, what do you mean self-care? Well, that's a word that uh, therapists and counselors and people that deal with uh, survivors and thrivers throw that out there. But sometimes we use words that people don't catch on to. It's a time to do an overhaul, to do a checkup, just to see where you're at. Most of all, for me, it's a time to be able to take a breath and just sit down and go, okay, what kind of day did I have today? Did I accomplish what I wanted to? How am I doing? How am I maintaining myself? And in that self-care, am I using mindfulness? And that's another one of those fancy words that we throw out there. Am I paying attention to what my physical, my emotional, my uh, mental, my spiritual life is doing? Am I flying high, doing well, soaring up there with the eagles? Or am I down there on the ground in the dirt, uh, picking up crumbs with the turkeys? Uh, and maybe am I just not being productive at all? And um, in that, this week, I have discovered three ways to fail in life every time. And one of those ways is to blame everything on somebody else. Every time I uh, get into a pothole where I make a mistake, instead of looking in the mirror and saying, Greg, you could do better, or instead of getting on my knees and say, Lord, help me do better, we want to blame somebody else. Well, it's that person across the hallway. They're at the office. If they wouldn't have acted like that, I wouldn't have responded that way, and I wouldn't have got mad and said what I was going to say or did say. So when we blame other people for our own problems, congratulations. That's the first step in failing in everything in your life. Eventually, you're going to have to put on your big boy and big girl pants and take action and take accountability for what and how you acted. One day, we will be in front of our Lord and Savior and Creator. And I promise you, he's not going to call out my name, Gregory Allen Williams. And I get to go up and he said, well, I'll tell you what, you kind of slipped here. You kind of fell here. Well, it was my dad's fault because of what he did to me when I was a kid. No, my reaction to what dad did, yeah, 
devastated me, but the way I reacted is still up to me. I get to choose every day whether I'm going to drown in that. Am I going to get bitter in that? Am I going to soak myself in pickle juice and just become the, the sourest person ever? Or am I going to rise up and try to help one person? And that's all I try to do. And I got a feeling you're going to hear that from our guest tonight, that every morning she wants to help one more person. But we'll let her tell you that here just in a second. Other thing about how to fail in everything in life is to complain about everything. Just go ahead. Just go ahead and complain about everything. Complain about the traffic. Complain about when you go to McDonald's. Complain about if you go to Starbucks and the coffee wasn't hot enough or whatever you want to do. But just complain about everything. Congratulations. You have just checked number two on how to fail. Blame everybody. Complain about everything. And the last thing of guarantee failure is never be grateful for anything. No matter what. Just go ahead and don't be grateful. And you're going to fail. You're going to end up being unhappy. You're going to end up looking in the mirror and going, how did I get to this place? You're going to end up out in left field and wonder, how did you get in that negative attitude? How did you get in that depressive mode? How do you get in that place to where people are avoiding you in the office and you're meeting them in the hallway and they're kind of going, okay, there comes Greg. I want to look the other way. Those Kind of maybe those three things you need to check into as we go into a new week. Are you complaining? Not taking accountability? Not taking accountability for your actions and your thoughts and, and the way you react? Are you just always negative about everything? Nobody wants to be around that. And to be honest with you, if you have people that's around you in that inner circle of yours and they're have all three of these checked off, I would try to get a couple more positive people in your inner circle because I believe in the transference of spirits. I believe in the transference of emotions and actions and attitudes and mentality. You ever notice you come in whistling Dixie and you're just singing zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day, and then all of a sudden somebody comes in and they've just been in traffic. Houston traffic's famous for this because there's construction everywhere. You can't go down one road in Houston right now without running into construction. So you might as well wake up and smell the coffee and realize it's going to take you a little longer than it ever has. And it normally takes an hour to get across the street here. It's going to take you an hour and 15 minutes. And they come in with that attitude of just being so grumpy. I oh, you wouldn't believe the traffic. And then all of a sudden, your zippity doo dante has all the air out of it. And you're in the corner with them or by the water cooler complaining along with them. Try something different this week. Try being positive. Take accountability. Look for good things. And try to change somebody's life for the better. Now, that's what I learned this week. Hopefully, uh, you can... Take some of those things and apply them to your life. We have an awesome guest tonight. I am really looking forward. Uh, you know, the, the program Breaking the Silence isn't just about stories of bad things that happen to good people. It includes that. But when people take those events in their life 
and allow it to change their heart, their outlook, and the way they live life, and then to spend the rest of their life helping other people handle the same thing that you have already gone through. That's the people I want on the program to be able to share that kind of impact. And you have tuned in on the right night because we have somebody that is doing just that. It's Tammy, Tony Butler, a sex trafficking survivor, lived experience expert, and is the founder and president. And write this down right now. We're going to tell you how to get to the webpage, but write this organization down. Reflective Spaces Ministry. It's a faith-based nonprofit organization that works directly with adults and adolescents of human traffic, those people that made it through it and need some care and comfort. She has so many initials behind her name, R-N-C-E-N-T-C-R-N, and it just keeps on going, keeps on going. Matter of fact, her business card has to be this long just to get all those names on it. But it always excites me to get somebody else in the medical field that is out there making a difference. And she is a forensic nurse examiner. And it is an honor to have her on the program tonight. Tammy, Tony Butler. Tammy, can you hear me tonight? I can. Hey, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's my honor. I tell you, I, you're, you're, I, I actually, one of the few times I ever got a CV from uh, a guest, and it's one, two, three, four, I, I don't know, it's almost probably 10 pages long, the experience, the the expertise, the knowledge, the education is unbelievable, Tammy, and I applaud you, and thank you for sharing that with me, uh, but tell me in your own words, um, and I could read this, but it take the whole show. Um, what do you do and why do you do it and how do you help people? Well, I'm a sexual assault nurse examiner. Um, I was an ER nurse uh, almost 30 years, boots on the ground in the emergency room. And it was only when I wrote an article published in the National Library of Medicine on human trafficking that I realized what happened to me was not merely uh, multiple childhood sexual assaults, but it was actually human trafficking. And sadly, my mother would have been considered the person that opened me up to uh, direct uh, harm. Um, She had suffered her own childhood trauma and parented in survival mode. And I became the, you know, commodity uh, that was exchanged uh, for rent and, you know, those things to uh, basically how could she survive? And um, so that set me on a journey to kind of discover myself and um, my faith just exploded and, and the Holy Spirit just did a work in me. And I just became a different um, person and transformed and that CV that, you have there that is all because of of christ and in, in, in my life i'm it, all of that is for him um i he opened all the doors i'm just a mere sinner from the trailer park and you know i i was a mess and um i still have some junk in my trunk that he's worked through but 
it's the hope and the healing that we bring to survivors on the ranch that uh, he so graciously uh, provided me. You know, Tammy, you mentioned a wonderful way of putting it. I've never put it. You were the uh, um, commodity that your mother rented out. That's an interesting way to put that. When did you come to the realization that it wasn't just abuse? Because it was the same thing with me. I didn't even thought, I never even thought that I was human trafficked until I had somebody on the program. And I told part of my story to them. I said, great, you never realize? It's like, yeah, I was for three years. Uh, when did you discover that? And how did you discover that it wasn't only abuse uh, by your mom, but it was trafficking? Well, we'll unpack that a little bit. Okay. Um, basically, human trafficking and the element of that is when it, it's a commercial good or, or service or some type of commercial sex act. And that can be a place to sleep. That can be power and influence like elevation in a gang. That can be um, people are, are, are selling their children, sadly, to gain opioids, uh, to feed their addictions. Um, again, to, you know, a, a place to sleep. Um, and mine was, um, mine had been going on for a little while. And, and uh, well, I'll, I'll back up just a little bit. My father and my mom divorced um, very young. My dad was, uh, went over to Vietnam. Um, he served a few tours. He came back. He wasn't the same. Uh, he divorced my mom when I was maybe two, three. And uh, um, then that opened me up to victimization because, again, my mother had been abused. Uh, she had an alcoholic father, and, and she never even uttered uh, the atrocities that happened to her. Um, uh, sadly, I did lose my father to uh, suicide. Uh, we buried him on Father's Day when I was 15. And um, as I lived with my mom, it was just uh, re a repetitive cycle of, of, of victimization, you know, either with a, a babysitter offering free babysitting and getting access uh, to me. And um, there's always a price for the free babysitting. And uh, then with, uh, I went to my mom and, and let her know what was happening with our stepfather. And uh, her words were, how will I survive? What will I do? How will I pay the rent? I can't make it. You know, I can't work. He provides for us, a, you know, our home and everything. And so basically she turned a blind eye uh, to what was happening and uh, allowed me to continue to be abused for uh, many years. My victimization began when I was in kindergarten or earlier um, from my memories and went on until maybe I was around 14. It, it was a long time. Uh, it was a long walk to the, to that shed at the back of the wood line, that, that shop. And I was basically made a sex slave and she would send me uh, down to the, the shop uh, when he got home. Um, and she knew what was happening. But again, she needed a place to sleep, shelter, food, those things. And I just was the commercial exchange. She just turned a blind eye to it and let so, him. Tammy, was you uh, abused, you said, from kindergarten to 14? It was many years of being, um, yes. I mean, so kindergarten was probably your first memory of. It may have been even earlier than that. Yes. 
Yes. And I remember there was a babysitter uh, around the same time as him. I, I don't know if there was a pedophile ring. I don't know at that time. I, I find it um, a bit troublesome that I was being uh, um, raped by individuals, uh, two individuals on the same in the same span of time. And they met in the same trailer park. But um, I don't I don't know. So I, I don't have a lot of memories um, as a lot of us abuse survivors. Um, but those are the ones that I, I have. And that's when I realized that there's so many people out there that don't realize there's something called familial human trafficking. Yeah. And it is, it doesn't have to be money. It's, it's if it's a commercial sex act. And I was what got the rent paid and her a place to sleep and groceries and those things. And I had to just exchange relations with them, sexual relations, basically sexual assault. They called it uh, child molestation, um, but uh, the police uh, asked if my mother knew. And of course, I said no. Uh, she never knew because how do you do that? How do you choose between your, you know, your parents? And if I'd said yes, they would have taken her to jail and I would have been in a, a group home or a, a kid in the, you know, in the system. And we know how many children are being trafficked uh, out of, out of that system and, and opened up to, to victimization. So um, I never told, and it was only when I wrote that article and, and actually, um, I took a Homeland Security agent for a, actually a beer after a presentation. I'll just be honest with you. And I, I asked him, I said, I have to ask you a question. I said, this happened to me and I don't, I don't want to say it was human trafficking, but was it human trafficking? I said, you know, and, and I had been presenting on human trafficking and going around and, but I didn't want to say that I was a survivor of human trafficking because I didn't want to take away from others that, had been sold on the streets or sold on, you know, the social media platforms or anything like that. Mine was a family member. And he said to me, amazing agent with Homeland Security, he said to me, don't do that. Do you know how many people there are like you? How many parents are trading their children and selling them for sex for a carton of Marble, you know, Marble Red cigarettes or for drugs or or that is being exchanged. Individuals are being forced to 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 trade sex um, for drugs and and those things and or a place to sleep. And he said it's trauma. It's complex trauma compounded. The shame, the guilt, the fear, the regret, the self loathing. And it, you know the victims of human trafficking have uh, PTSD at the extent of war veterans. And so that is what he wanted me to take away that. It, it's the pathway to healing. And we, we have so many similarities. We have differences, different stories, but when we come together and we do like a free Bible study group, uh, you know, we have a free food pantry, many different things on site that, that we provide. Um, we don't charge for our services. And we realize that each survivor or thriver brings something to the conversation. If you and I hung out for a while, then you would enhance my knowledge base and I would learn from you. And I tell you, my survivors that I work with, they give me so much, probably more than I give them. I mean, they really, really do. You mentioned your mom was abused. You know, they, they, they claim, and, and you probably know more about this than I do, but that it's a three-generation cycle. Normally, it doesn't break 
until after that third generation which did, did you have any knowledge on whether her parents uh were involved or had any type of abuse in there because you said her dad was an alcoholic uh do you have any wisdom whether it was the, the generation before them that was involved or had abuse in their life too I believe that it was a perpetual cycle of of abuse. I, I don't have a lot of those that recollection uh, and, and memories, um, but I I know that there was the same behaviors uh, in my grandmother, from what I can remember, that I saw in in my mother. And uh, but my mother didn't really speak much, really about anything. I mean, she she just kept it all inside, and, and she didn't talk about some of the things that had even happened to her, but she did, I did talk to her um, on her deathbed and reconcile. And I told her that I was going to have to go speak about her and I was going to have to do that. And I would have to say some things about her. And, and I actually educated her on what human trafficking was and how this could have been considered that. And, and, you know, what impact that had on me. But also, we prayed together. I, I forgave her, and she said to me, if you can stop this from happening, from one more family, from them being torn apart by this, from trauma, and, and what it does to an individual, then you speak, speak the truth. And if nothing else, then something good can come from the destruction that came to our family. Wow. So how did you, Tammy, deal with, this um, as an individual, mentally, uh, spiritually, physically, all the Lees, the, the entire Lee family. Uh, how did that impact you uh, and how did you endure it? And when did you finally take the mask off if there was ever a mask on uh, to even deal with it? Or did you keep it hidden for years? Well, what do we do? We throw ourselves into being wounded uh, healers. We try to heal everybody else. I thought I could save everyone in the emergency room and the chaos hid the chaos in my own life. And for a lot of years, I was, I was just a workaholic. I mean, I just worked 60 hours plus a week and, and, you know, in trauma centers and different places. And, and, you know, I just had such a, a savior complex and, and I, I just tried to take the happiness from others and try to cover up the dirtiness that I felt and the shame and the guilt and the self-loathing and the, the, you know, the negative self, the negative talk and negative think that, that, that cascade that goes on in our brain. And I did that pretty well for a while, but then I started having panic attacks. You know, I would have emotional flashbacks and I would, I mean, I could be very mean in my language and, and judgmental. And I would just, I mean, I used to curse like a sailor. F you was there, you know, F word was every other word. But then I started to realize I had, I couldn't be that way. And I was, I always loved um, God and I always would seek out, even in the hospitals, I would go to wherever there was a chapel, always. But I never felt worthy enough to approach him. I felt like I was too dirty. I was too in the mire and the muck. But I just felt peace just going in the chapel and sitting there. 
after a trauma, you know, on my way to the, the morgue or anything, whatever I could sneak by the chapel, I'd just hide out in there. Couldn't even utter words. But then the Lord, really, the Holy Spirit took me on a journey and, and just, you know, I used to take Ambien to get sleep. I'd wash it down with a bottle of wine. I even uh, woke up, well, I worked night shifts, so I don't know if you'd say I woke up, but it was my day off, but I got up and it was uh, um, the morning, but the first thing I thought of was, oh man, that beer, boy, that 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 might taste good. And then of course I started doing the, you know, the SIGMA score, the cage protocol and all these things in my mind and thinking, wait a minute, I just craved a, a beer and I had lost my, my dad was an alcoholic and, and sadly, you know, he, he took his life and, and then my mother had addiction in her family and I thought, oh no. And so basically the Holy Spirit took me on a journey um, God and and really opened and awakened my faith. And I'm not cast or anything, but he took me to uh, Ave Maria, which um, I live in Florida, and he, he took me to this Catholic uh, university. And there was a book, um, and it was a, a holy sacrament book, I believe. Um, and I was reading it, and I'm like, all right, why am I here? And it said something about Jesus being a victim. And I thought about it and, and, and then I got up and I went outside and sat on a beautiful bench outside. And of course I'm an academian and I'm an author. And so I had to Google and, you know, research all that. And, you know, what do you mean? Jesus is a victim. I'm not sure if I agree with that. Let me check three references. And there was a couple or or one that said, yes, he was a victim, but it was the fact that he chose life, that he didn't let it define him. That he, when he died and all that was nailed to the cross, all that shame and guilt and fear and regret and all that weight of that trauma that I'd been carrying, like 50 pounds or more weight in every job interview, everything I went on, I shed all that. Because he, he, that day the Holy Spirit spoke to me, that, that whisper that you just know. And he, he said to me, you can't continue to take that little girl with you that little girl that all that stuff happened to, that the shame, the guilt, the fear, the regret, the yoking with the darkness is attached to. You have to leave her here, give her to me. That's why I died and, 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 you know, rose again. So you didn't have to have all that. You leave her with me and surrender, which is hard for us to do and give up control, especially when we look at Christ or, you know, God is a, especially Jesus is a, is a, you know, a, to me, a male and I had been victimized by males. So it was hard for me to make that connection. And I also used to sit in the bathroom and read my Bible and beg for it to stop. And, and I wondered for a lot of years where God was. So I kind of had a beef with God. Right? right. And so I just surrendered and he helped me say the prayer I mean, literally the Holy Spirit interceded and I kid you not, I was just flooded and I was different. It lifted, it broke off the shame, the guilt, the fear, the regret, all of it was gone. And I was completely transformed. I'll tell you what, we're going to talk about that complete transformation. Excellent place to stop and take our commercial break. 
on the other side of this break, we're going to find out. You said the Holy Spirit took you on a journey. We're going to take that first step of that journey and keep on walking through that uh, of the second half of this program and lead people right to hope. Don't leave. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this short minute and 17 second commercial break. Hang with us. HCI Publishing that brought you the international bestsellers, A Child Called It, and the Chicken Soup for the Soul series comes the latest book by Dr. Gregory Williams, Shattered by the Darkness. This book describes the horrific abuse that Dr. Williams suffered at the hands of his father for over 12 years and the damaging effect of keeping everything silent about that abuse for 30 years. If you're looking for that book that you can't put down, then pick up a copy of Shattered by the Darkness by Dr. Gregory Williams at all Barnes & Noble stores, Amazon, and Books A Million. Now, back to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. I'm looking through my phone and I'm just scrolling down all the text. But we also have, you know, Katie Simpson. Katie Simpson says, you are just the sweetest lady, uh, Tammy. And she said, you are a voice for the voiceless. And uh, you're such an inspiration. So thank you, Katie, for posting that. But I just wanted to pass that on to you, uh, Tammy, so you hear that. So when a person, because I think it was Andy Stanley. I always give him credit for this, but I'm not for sure. I was listening or reading something that he wrote. He said something about that when we have things that happen into our life and we send that demon and we try to bury it, thinking that it's gone and will never come back. In reality, that demon is in the basement lifting weights. And eventually he's going to come up those basement stairs. He's going to come out in an ugly way. We need to deal with it head on did you have that moment in time where you said you was in the bathroom reading the bible or whatever and and where you just said hey i can't do this anymore yes actually you know in a lot of uh trauma survivors um you know when we finally seek help or or we get out of the situation that we're in we've come to the realization that they're going to break us and see they my um, abuser, the predator, um, he tried to break me. You know, he he wanted to break my soul, my spirit, and I refused to be broken. I, I wasn't going to do it. I was not going to be let the darkness overtake me. And I made a decision um, that I was going to. Um, I, I never. A lot of people, when they get to that point, they think of suicide because they just see no way out of the weight of all of it. But I, I told God that day that I'm done. I'm going to go to school. And when I come home from school, I'm going to grab a weapon that was in our home. And I was going to, I was going to, I, I couldn't do it anymore. 
I couldn't do it anymore, but I wasn't going to hurt myself, but I was afraid I was going to physically hurt him. And I'm a kind person. I'm a nurse. You know, we help. And I just remember begging God, no, not one more day will I do this. Will I be forced to, to do these horrible things? And, and I went to school and I got tapped on the shoulder to come out of class. I think I was about 14. And that day that I called out to God and said, that's it. He's, I'm done. I can't do it another second. Um, someone had told and thought that we were, you know, being victimized. And um, I remember sitting in a room with a whole bunch of men and a round table detectives might've been a female, but it was a lot of men. And, you know, I remember being labeled as defiant and all these things, but uh, I guess if you'd been raped that many times, you would be a defiant kid too. And so I just sat there and I, they asked me questions, which I'm an, I'm a sexual assault nurse examiner. I know now that that was rape, but you don't, you don't get those details. You don't say those things. It's taken us years to say some of this stuff and why they call it child molestation. It's rape. Let's be clear. And so I got out of that situation. Now they asked me about my mother and I did not disclose anything. Um, she did open me up to victimization after that. But when we, when we redirect back, which I like to take it back to the, the hope and I like to take it back to uh, being set free. I don't have it anymore. I don't have the food addiction. I mean, I've lost probably 70 pounds, 65, 70 pounds. I, I don't have it anymore. I don't have, I don't cuss. I, since the Holy Spirit filled me, I didn't have one curse word come out. And I, I, I just don't have, I sleep like a baby. I don't need any medicine. I don't do anything. I just have peace, total peace. And he took it from me. And anyone who's watching your program who's been victimized, when I say the icky, they know. He took the icky away. Yeah. made it better and so there's hope there's hope there's healing and and my faith is what set me free you know we we focus on mindfulness we focus on getting in nature i have a 10 acre parcel of land and we have reflective spaces around where we can truly have activities to calm the amygdala where that emotional memory is housed and and and, and focus on resilience and, and positive adverse childhood experiences instead of the, the negative. And, 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 you know, we have a lake, you can fish, we, you can kayak and we have hope is my cow and she's a thousand pound cow. Oh, wait. Yeah, your, your cow is named hope. Yes. It doesn't get any better than that. that that's yes. perfect. She's <laughs> named hope. We, uh, she was a rescue her. She was abandoned at birth. Uh, it was a difficult birth and she found in the woods. She lived uh, for three days and uh, a, a local rancher gave her to us. And I didn't have any idea what to do with her. Um, and, and I don't know if, if you, if they've read my story yet, but we sold everything to follow God. I, I yep. sold my sailboat, my house on the golf course, I had not one animal. I didn't know how to run a John Deere. And we moved into a little tiny home on the land, 576 square feet. And the the ministry is basically run out of the land that we live on. And I, I had to sell my FJ Cruiser, everything. And I just said, okay, God, I surrender. You set me free. And how can we bring all the others with us? 
And so I've really been on his journey, become his messenger, messenger of hope, of healing, of whatever he sends me to say. And he opened all those doors. I mean, yes, I spoke at the United Nations on human trafficking and 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 I've been active in Congress and those things, but it's all him. I'm every door he opened. And when you put God first, everything else just kind of kind of comes after that. And he he just helps me do life. I mean, he's my best friend. That's great. On this reflective spaces ministry, what what is that ministry? How can people get on that website? Um, right now, go ahead and throw that website out there so we can write that down because uh, I want to make sure people get that. But then tell me more about that and what it's for. It's www.reflectivespacesministry.com. That's www.reflectivespacesministry.com. And if you Google Tammy Tony Butler, I'll come up. I have an online presence and I do have a blog. And my story is actually testimony is on the blog on our website. Um, So just, you know, I encourage anyone to go check that out if you're struggling with shame or guilt or fear, regret, self-loathing, anything. And and I'm starting up, you know, reflective hour to where I just sort of come out and speak uh, the truth as the Holy Spirit is giving it to me that day and whatever is needed. And um, we basically are, uh, we offer holistic services. So we have a Bible study slash group. Uh, We um, offer retreats for survivors of human trafficking or childhood sexual assault um, um, trauma. And uh, we have a tiny home uh, on the land. We have housed a survivor that was aging out and uh, provided uh, transportation uh, for that person as they transitioned out. They had um, um, transitioned out of a local uh, safe house for commercially sexually exploited children. And then we took them in after they aged out and then they've sunk, you know, transferred uh, out already. And so we did that and, and we've become a, a retreat center for individuals to come and even stay in the tiny home now and us pour into the survivors and, and let them be still on the land and just reflect. Um, it's really quiet. It, it's really peaceful. And we can get so caught up in the noise, especially in this technology, you know, world that we live in today to where we just don't take time to stop and reflect and stop the, the dopamine and all this, these, this constant stimulus that's coming in. And it's in that quiet stillness that we hear that whisper of, 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 of the voice of, of the Holy spirit that indwells in us that accept Christ, you know, as our, as our Lord and savior. And I, I just, I'm a completely changed different person. I don't listen to the same music. I don't watch TV. I just, follow uh, Jesus around and I'm sold out for him. Now, do you still work as a, the a forensic nurse examiner? Um, I did that for about three years and about, uh, well, maybe a year now. I, yeah, it's probably been a little over a year. I had stepped away from that and I have actually, I, I'm focusing now on ministry. I have a prophetic healing ministry kind of like a deliverance ministry, but it, it's the Lord just shows me and, and folks get set free and get healed, um, healing from physical ailments, healing from spiritual ailments. And so I'm really just focusing on full-time ministry and, and following God now and kind of, you know, uh, nursing the soul, nursing the spirit um, and doing the work on, on the land. And, you know, of course I've, you know, 
we have a human trafficking textbook that's coming out uh, next year. And, and, you know, we just published an article on that. And, you Wait, know, tell me, tell me about that. I want to find out more about this human trafficking textbook. Who, yes. who would that textbook be for? Um, it's a human trafficking textbook. It's for, uh, um, uh, um, we wrote the, the chapter for healthcare. Um, oh. the healthcare perspective. Yes. Um, my team and I did. And, um, so it, it, it's basically the, the healthcare pr- uh, approach. I also wrote the faith-based uh, with not just me. I mean, there was a lot of authors, um, um, uh, the faith-based component of that and the faith-based needs of uh, human trafficking survivors. Um, we also, um, I've built, um, I'm the co-founder of Nurses United Against Human Trafficking, and we built an entire learning management system platform, asynchronous format that uh, has protocols and, and has um, screening tools and everything all built in. It's accredited, you know, for CMEs and, and nursing contact hours and radiology hours. And it's, it's on Nurses United Against Human Trafficking uh, in our learning management system. We rolled it out into the hospitals and it's been vetted and approved. And uh, we also just published an article uh, on a nationwide study. Uh, for nurse uh, education uh, uh, today, um, Dr. Francine Bononeri and myself. So I was I was quite active in that space. Um, but in full disclosure, half of the proceeds of Nurses United Against Human Trafficking go directly to our nonprofit, Reflective Spaces Ministry, um, so that I can provide uh, Maslow's basic hierarchy of needs, transportation, housing, anything that the survivors need so that they can heal like I did. And so I came off the board of uh, Nurses United Against Human Trafficking, and um, I've, I'm letting Dr. Bonaneri, she's running that. And so I, I wore many hats. Um, the human trafficking textbook you asked uh, was through Valencia College and um, uh, Dr. Jeff Goltz and them, and it was uh, criminal, uh, I think criminal justice. So basically it's a big collaborative effort, and we have do a book tour um, starting in January. Um, and it's out of Valencia College, in, and um, it's, um, yeah, it's exciting. It's like the second edition of, of the book, and um, it's, it's detailed, and, and uh, a lot of colleagues uh, assisted in the writing of the very robust uh, healthcare chapter, which uh, speaks on the needs, um, everything that the survivor needs, the holistic needs, the physical needs, um, and, and those things. So I kind of wear many, many hats. And right now I'm transitioning to the, the ministry hat. Um, but you I also, know, go well, ahead. One thing though, Tammy, I, I want to interrupt there. I'm sorry for interrupting, but I, I, I want people to he- understand and hear because you're a perfect example of this, um, that you've had life experience. So you, you had this childhood that was horrific. Then you had professional life experience. And then through God and his grace, he can take the, the trauma. He can take then your educational professional role. Then he can roll that all into something that turns out to be such a blessing to not only you made difference in other people's lives, but you're making difference in the, the nurses and the doctors and the textbook. And you have laid out. So God can do that. Just like that. So many people think that sometimes, oh, if I 
if I get to know God, he's going to have me do something completely. I'm going to be in Africa uh, in a tribal uh, with a scene. Well, you may, but chances are he's going to use what you have already gone through and just bless it. And you're a perfect example of that. You used all of that and rolled it up in this beautiful package. And I applaud that. Yes, he built Nurses United Against Human Trafficking. I mean, he he gave us the idea. He he has built it. It is his. Um, and and we go into adverse childhood experiences. We look at the intersection uh, with human trafficking, with our neonatal abstinence syndromes, with so many things that are being missed with our youth suicide rates. We look at the, com- you know, commercials, you know, um, a sexual exploitation component, the sextortion to where these kids are, are taking their life. And um, we really unpack a lot of things. It's like nine hours of accredited training. Um, it is the hallmark standard. It's approved by Texas HHS, uh, which is important. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's been vetted and approved. And it, it, well, it, Texas HHS is unbelievable. Because oh, I'm a certified traffic instructor. Yes. Oh, every word. They said, you sure you want to use that word? Yes. It's like, well, I thought I did. Listen, they <laughs> I can't need, imagine doing a textbook, oh, but they've approved that. They need to be the standard for yes. every state that you have to only go through that training you know, that they say is vetted and approved. And, and, and they were so, you know, gracious. They went, it was a, it was a process and they approved yep. us and, and uh, we're so grateful. And, you know, we rolled it out in, in, in some tribal hospitals and, and, and other marginalized communities um, because we really have to, to understand the intersectionality of human trafficking. They are coming in and accessing healthcare. We are missing them. We are judging. Yep. I'm telling you because I had bias I'm telling you in all of my years, which helped me to really help you identify someone that doesn't disclose as a victim of human trafficking, because I go into a detailed forensic exam and help you uh, see the clues and the signs, much like if it was a myocardial infarction, you know, you look for certain markers and things, and I break it down just like that. No one, you know, sign or symptom, no one red flag is going to necessarily say it's human trafficking. But if you have this, this, and this, you need to walk yourself back because we need to understand that we, much like in the 1980s when HIV and AIDS came out and we knew we had to act and do something uh, to to take that from being a a chronic condition to a fatal one, that's that's where we are now with human trafficking. Minors are coming into our emergency departments, our clinics. We are not mandatory reporting them. We are not offering them appropriate care. And the standard of care for a human trafficking victim is different than than others. It's different than a rape victim. It's different than uh, intimate partner violence. We have a complete skill set. And, and in our article that we published, our national study, we are showing that um, we are not educating on human trafficking. We cannot identify it. And quite frankly, we're negligent. And so we just put it out there because there's no excuse anymore for the healthcare community to miss these hidden victims. Because being a sex slave is too many and we have to act and we have to act now. And so we've got it. It's ready to roll out. I should say, Dr. Bonaneri, you know, Nurses United Against Human Trafficking and, and it's ready to go. And so, yes, the Lord took my mess in my lived experience, and then all of my years of an ER nurse, and then I used to, you know how us nurses train the doctors, 
we love, you know, we work so closely together. And then I also was in medical publishing and I helped build a, you know, a, 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 a publishing platform uh, to educate that, pu- you know, publish directly into PubMed. And so I learned what was important for physicians, plastic surgeons or cardiologists or different ones. And I was a medical editor. And so all of that went into, you know, plus my sexual assault nurse examiner experience and how we are missing victims of human trafficking. They are sexual assaults. They are coming in. They are overdoses, you know, and and we are missing them. And all of that, plus the writing of the article in the National Library of Medicine and my international and national work with survivors of human trafficking led me to create that product um, with the hand of God sprinkled all over it. That's and unbelievable. <laughs> that is so, that is so great. And you're such an inspiration, Tammy. And our, our time is out. I'm so sorry. Um, www.reflectivespacesministry.com. And you want to look up Tammy, Tony, T-O-N-E-Y, dash Butler, B-U-T-L-E-R. And I'm sure, Tammy, they can get in touch with you right through that webpage, correct? Yes, thank you. Yes, and I, I encourage you. Thank you so much for being on this program. A friend of my dear friend of mine, Vincent Dodd, that is an emergency room nurse. I hope he's listening tonight. I'm sure uh, he got a lot of great uh, feedback on this, too. He was excited. But there's so many things you said tonight that got me all worked up, like, yes, now's the time the medical field needs to step up to the plate and say, enough's enough. We see it, we recognize it, and we're going to address it. Pull our heads out of the sand and start making a difference. And Tammy, you're you're taking the lead on that. Thank you so much. Anytime you want to come back on the program, you're welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you, Tammy. Thank you. Like you do each and every show. I, I'm excited. I'm I'm ready to to go another couple hours with her. We were just getting to we were just getting to where we were starting to preach at each other. And I love that. But you know, uh it reminds me of that old David and Goliath story. Uh when David went and saw Goliath, he had already been trained on how to kill everything when he was protecting the sheep that he was taking care of. So when he saw Goliath, it wasn't Goliath's not that big. He's so big that he can't be missed. So he was an easy target for him, and he prepared him for that challenge, for that moment in time. Tammy is a perfect example for that. So no matter tonight, if you're a drug dealer, a prostitute, you work in a strip club, you uh, are out there uh, homeless, you, you are doing things, you're in prison, listening to the program tonight, you're at Harris County Jail or whatever, no matter what kind of experience you've had, you give whatever you have to God and he will use it and he never will waste a hurt and he will allow that to help other people. And I just can't wait to see the impact that Tammy's already made but going to make with this article and this textbook and this reflective ministry, uh, reflective spaces ministry that she's having. Please reach out to her. Tammy, thank you so much for being on. Want to let you all know that no matter what, no matter where you're at, don't forget this. And Tammy already said it. There's always hope. There is always, always hope. Join us next week right here for another edition of Breaking the Silence live from Houston, Texas. Hey. Have an awesome week. God bless you. Good night.
Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. To contact Dr. Williams, dial 832-396-6525 or email him at shatteredbythedarkness at gmail.com. And don't forget to join us each Sunday night at 8 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Pacific on BBS Radio Station 1 for the next episode of Breaking the Silence. Thank you.